What's going on, football fans? This is Bryant. This is the XFL Show, and this is the recap of the Wildcats and the Roughnecks game. Yes, the Roughnecks came out with the big three, 37-17. Allen, you're with me here. You're headed to New York City uh, after the D.C. game, man. How's it going? Oh, man, what a beautiful, glorious day one of the XFL season. Unfortunately for the Wildcats, they go down in the heap to the mighty P.J. Walker, my preseason MVP, Bryant. This Minnesota is going to be fun because we're going to be talking about the guy I think is going to end up being called the best player in the XFL. He looked unbelievable. He looked great. It might have been a, a product of the June Jones offense down there. He didn't get any MVP chance, though, let's say that, like Cardell Jones did. He did it. He, he did it. What, you know what I'm, I'm bummed about is that I watched the game in the car on my phone, so I didn't really – I couldn't – make out the go for three chance do you think they had him in houston like they had in dc <laughs> no they're a little more well uh well they restrained themselves i guess you could say uh from saying any of those chants i didn't hear any of those uh, i did you did say there were some go for three chance though in dc that's amazing uh but this was kind of the first time we got to watch a game after watching an xfl game right so we yeah. knew what to expect kind of i mean it was abc slash espn and fox so the production value was definitely different we'll get to that probably on a regular show that's going to drop on tuesday but it, it was an interesting take to, to to look at that game knowing what you were going to expect with all the different rules right yeah after having digested or not digested but taken in consumed a game it's still kind of belly half full and then watching the Roughnecks and Wildcats after the Defenders and Dragons game I saw a lot of differences most notably the speed of the game it just felt like it was a faster game I don't know what it clocked in at but I definitely think it was a shorter game but I also think the offenses both were having I felt like both of these offenses went out there with the the plan of, of blowing up the defenses in terms of you know the cardio gassing them uh LA at first was doing a pretty decent job throwing the ball and they got figured out in the second half Houston you know full pedal to the metal and you saw that that translated into the game moving I thought much smooth it was a smoother type of watch at least for me it just as a fan observing the game uh in game two compared to the Dragons and Defenders but then again that goes I think into just the styles of the teams well, let's talk about that a little bit. Houston opened up the scoring 6 nothing. They failed their uh, extra point conversion there. Uh, and then the Wildcats, uh, with the Moss, uh, goes for two, takes that lead 8-6. The first thing I noticed in that Wildcats drive, though, Alan, was uh, how many times they were targeting Nelson Spruce. I brought him up as a Ooh. PPR uh, type of player. He ended up with 11 catches, 103 yards, most of that in the first half. Uh, but the Wildcats had a game plan, and they were sticking to it. Chad Kanoff was was – was throwing some he, he was getting frustrated you could see it but he was making some plays uh, he rushed for a touchdown as well i just uh, for some reason the wildcats we're gonna get into what we think the biggest play was but the wildcats uh you're right got figured out but they had a good first half uh, along with the roughnecks i think they did but they they were kind of you know it felt like maybe they were one trick ponies and once that you know that spruce and knoff connection got shut down by the Roughnecks D and that D line started ta- taking advantage of the right side of the LA offensive line. You know, it was kind of game over for the Wildcats. Roughnecks adjusted at halftime beautifully, I thought. And that was obviously the key. I mean, the second half, they came out not slowing down on offense and figuring things out on D. Uh, 
do you think that the question we're going to be talking deeply about, I think, on the, on the big show uh, this Tuesday morning is going to be what the L.A. quarterback situation. I mean, are they a 17-point game? Because 17 points in the XFL is just not going to get it done. But Or was that just the product of Josh Johnson not being out there? I don't know. And they were moving the ball a little bit, like you said, without him. But, you know, with a, with a backup quarterback in there, uh, success like that isn't isn't going to last too long. You're going to have to be able to be be able to adjust to the adjustments made to you. And Knopf couldn't. McClendon came in cold, so it was kind of ugly at quarterback for LA. Yeah, you had about a 51 percent completion rating from Knopf, who did rush for a touchdown, like I mentioned, uh, Alan. But the, the quarterback situation in LA is is dire if Josh Johnson can't play. I think they did what they could with Knopf. Uh, when he had to throw it, though, I think that's where he got exposed. You know, I'll say this. Being a, a SoCal native, it felt very nostalgic seeing Norm Chow's offense out on the field. It felt like I was watching, you know, USC down there making plays. Uh, it was just very structured. You know, I was talking to people uh, via text message who were watching these games for the first time who had no idea that Norm Chow was the offensive coordinator. And they're like, this reminds me a lot of USC football. And I was like, well, Norm Chow's the coordinator. So Norm Chow did what he could to protect Knopf or or shield him from what was happening. But once the Roughnecks, and we're going to talk about the key play right now, I think, because to me, the key play that turned this entire game around was that delay game to end the half and then the missed snap uh, to get those three extra points, which would have gave LA a 20 to 18 lead uh, going into the half. Yeah, it's it's it was a bizarre situation though, because when do you ever find yourself in that in that spot where the the clock is going to start running as soon as the referee blows the whistle, and that means as soon as he does that, you have to snap the ball. The long snapper obviously not on the same page. The holder not ready. Nobody was ready for LA. They just didn't, nobody was used to that situation. I think that threw everybody off, and then missing out on those points, huge momentum swing. I know it was only a field goal, but the. The, the dejection on the Wildcats, you saw them walk into the locker room and then even in the locker room because, well, it's sweet. The XFL shows the locker room at halftime. You saw on the faces, the body language. That was a team that was upset. They missed out on those three points, and that just carried over. And, uh, you know, the Roughnecks never looked back. They just put the boots to them. Yeah, Winston Moss was not happy heading off that field uh, at halftime and then really the rest of the game. Uh, you know, the uh, Wildcats did not score in the uh, second half at all. Uh, Alan, I will tell you this, and tell me how surprised you are about this stat. The Houston Roughnecks were negative rushing until the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I looked that up, too, while I was watching the game. And I was like, have they run the ball at all? And then they, they came out of the second half running it finally, and they you know they had some sec- success, too, uh, a little bit in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, that the, the it was mostly shooting. It was just guns a blazing. Not a whole lot of running in the run and shoot today, but it didn't matter. Philip Walker was out there just throwing pills, putting it over the top. I mean, that one dime he threw to the back of the end zone was just beautiful, especially considering he escaped a sack on the very same play. I mean, the the announcers were praising him. You saw him on on the sidelines. He was actually getting into some defensive players' faces. And considering how many times Sean Oakman hit him, P.J. Walker is tough. Well, o- Oakman did get a penalty, I think, either on a high hit or a late hit, roughing the passer there. Uh, but he was getting, you know, Sean Oakman was making some plays. Uh, a good call by Coach Moss to bring him back. But you're right. Let's talk about him some more because we could talk pretty much the entire rest of this little mini-sode. Uh, P.J. Walker, 
Alan, you said he would be your MVP. Well, you said the quarterback for the Houston Roughnecks would be your MVP. Then when P.J. Walker was announced, you said it would be P.J. Walker. Uh, he looked great. Four touchdowns and interception. He had uh, 23 for 39 with 272 yards. I don't know how much of his performance, Alan, was part of June Jones's offense or P.J. Walker. Uh, after after the game, they, they, they interviewed him. Uh, Fox did and said basically, you know, it's finally nice to get some reps reps out there, out here with live bullets is what he said. Uh, I love that. <laughs> so PJ Walker looked re- damn good out there uh, for the Houston Roughnecks. He's going to be something to reckon with. I, it- well, listen, listen. When it comes to June Jones' offense, June Jones he puts it out there. He has he he designs the routes and he designs you know the plays for these quarterbacks to really just. Go out there, pre-snap, see what the defense gives you, and then react to that. So P.J. Walker did a lot of great reading and reacting today, and that was all on him. And he looked like a a really, really tough quarterback to beat, an offense that's going to be really tough to keep out of any game. So give him a ton of credit. Four touchdowns. That pick, though, oh, it kind of sullied things. But I think at the end of the weekend, he's still going to come out looking like the strongest QB. Well, really, uh, he, he he was at least for the first day he was the strongest quarterback, strongest player probably uh, in the league. But you're right, that last that last interception, right? It was like, could, did it, did that have to happen? <laughs> did that have to happen to the man? I guess it yeah. really didn't. Well, but and then defensively too for the Roughnecks, uh, we talked about Oakman being everywhere for LA. Coney Ely was everywhere for the Houston Roughnecks as well, making plays, batting balls down, getting sacks. Uh, that defense, I think, wasn't talked about a whole lot. Uh, especially considering how you know we knew their offense would be pretty exciting, but the Houston Roughnecks defense, the adjustments, the, the, they took advantage. I thought Storm Norton held it down on the left side, but that right side of the LA offensive line had some issues. Yeah, but how many centers do you know have a reception with about seven yards uh, gained on the play? <laughs> you know, front of yeah. the show, Patrick Vahe, uh gets a reception on that. But you're right, the offensive line, which which we talked about, do you want to pick first? In the offensive line draft, or do you want to be somewhere in the middle to get yourself a nice, consistent line? Uh, from what we've heard, L.A. decided to pick first and pick Storm Norton, who you're right, did hold up his end, but but there were some holes and some gaps there that the, the Wildcats are going to work out. It is game one. I did think that the Wildcats were going to start the season slow. I still have them making the playoffs. I did like some things. I think if they get Josh Johnson back, which I fully expect, I believe he was even dressed today. Yeah. Uh, he just didn't play. But once the once the Wildcats can get back into that rhythm, get some more reps out there. I mean, they had a quarterback really playing that only had eight practices with the team uh, towards the end of of training camp. So, uh, literally, was with the the Guardians more than he was with L.A. and he got to start that game, which I was surprised about. Just that for that fact, it was Kanoff over McClendon. And then, you know, when you talk about the the announcers, were they were pretty shocked that Kanoff was as good. As, I mean, Heward and Clatt were shocked that, you know, uh, Knopf was out there playing as well as he did in the first half. He kind of cooled down. But what about the broadcasters, the Fox versus ESPN, now that we've got the two, the two different styles uh, and ha- we've seen them in front of us now? I thought, I mean, I only saw glimpses of what ESPN was doing because I was at the game. But from what I saw, ESPN had people running around for access a lot more than Fox, but Fox was utilizing a lot of the audio, which I thought was super fun. Well, Fox to me seemed very Fox. Like I, I felt like I was watching a Fox broadcast, uh, you know, whatever they do on, on Saturday nights for their big 12 or pac 12 matchups that they have. That's what I felt like I was watching. But with ESPN, I, I felt like I was watching something very different 
not your normal uh, broadcast. ESPN did a lot of different things, a lot of interviews, like you said, people running around all over the place. Uh, but both broadcast team legit. Uh, both uh, commentating teams uh, knew what they were talking about. They knew the rules. I think there's still some kinks to work out in executing those rules for the XFL. It is day one, so I'm not going to chastise them completely. The only thing that kind of bothered me, Alan, is that there were some inconsistencies with the ball spotting official running the clock in the first game. I felt like the ball spotter was taking his time. And in the L.A. Houston game, he was rushing. He was running those players out there, making them earn their stripes. I, we'll get some more consistency, I think, I think as the game, uh, as the season progresses. But you got to talk to me about that instant replay. You saw that with the L.A. game. Way, we we said the what the AAF did was really good and we loved it, and then the XFL said, "Okay, we're gonna twist it a little bit and actually show you what the referee, what the uh, replay judge is looking at." And we're gonna show you his awesome Xbox 360 controller he's using, or was it was it an X, oh, Xbox One? I don't know, but how about I mean, he was using a I was super high tech and interesting, but see th- that makes you less angry i think at least for me as a fan even if the calls missed you just get you see what these people are going through the the crazy controls they got to use and the I- intricate uh detail they have to go in terms of re- rewinding and zooming in and making sure they're looking at everything and conversing with each other going back and forth there's so many moving parts it is i mean i just see that and i say oh if i was sitting there i don't know if i could do that so maybe i have a little sympathy if there's a missed call, but in the LA Houston game, I thought the calls were pretty good in the uh, DC and Seattle game. I think maybe some of the, uh, some of the secondary calls, these calls in the second PI holding stuff, maybe were a, a little too strict, but you know, that was kind of, those were judgment calls overall. I thought officiating for both games was very passable and uh, didn't really bother me at all. Didn't distract from the game whatsoever. Well, uh, Alan, I hope you go back and watch that uh, ABC broadcast of that morning game uh, because it was a lot of fun, man. There was a lot going on. The battle between Jim Zorn and Pep Hamilton was really just something that <laughs> that I was enjoying the entire game because it was two very different coaching styles, but they, they just seemed to jive so well. It was a lot of fun. Alan, I want to read you this text that I got here uh, before we let you go here because this is this kind of made my day. This is from a uh, cousin of mine who texts me. He says, this is such a good football product. So much better hearing coaches, refs, players talk about what's actually happening as opposed to commentators talking about what they think happened. And I think that kind of sums up the, the XFL's first day of coverage, don't you think? Oh, yeah. That's really well put. I like that because seriously, hearing June Jones calling out those plays and then explaining what's going on to the announcers talking directly to them and then, you know, getting the sneak peek at Norm Chow, hearing the, the oh, my, oh, man. What about Knopf pleading his case to Winston Moss? Instead of hearing a ref uh, or a, an announcer saying, you know, it looks like he's really upset about something down there. We don't know what. Like, they would have been speculating about that whole ordeal. But, it, no, it was Chad Knopf going, Hey man, I'm a lawyer. This is my case. We need to go for it now on fourth down. We're at midfield. That was the coolest thing of the game. I love the audio aspect of the of both broadcasts. The fact that you're hearing the game that makes you feel and experience the game in a whole new way that really hasn't been felt on TV. That was the revolutionary part of it to me, and I cannot wait to uh, to watch some more of the team. I got to watch the 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 first game back. You're right. I was there. Being there was amazing, though. Cannot take away from that. That was also a different experience. But the TV broadcast is also something you got to experience. 
there's there's four games a weekend too, so maybe you could get to one and watch the other three. I'm going to two and watching two on TV. I cannot wait for Tampa Bay and New York and then St. Louis and Landry Jones cleared to race hell tomorrow. <laughs> uh, those are going to be the key things to look for tomorrow. Football fans, this has been the XFL show. We're recap- we just recapped the LA Wildcats loss to the Houston Roughnecks at TDCU Stadium uh, 37-17. Allen, uh, drive safely, sir. I know you're not driving, but still just travel safely. We want to get you to that New York game. Uh, any last words before we, we head out of here? We head into the Sunday edition of this week one for the XFL. Two down, two to go. It's week one, baby. Football is just getting started. It's February. It's reimagined. This feels fresh. It feels new. And it feels amazing. I feel like I've been reborn as a football fan. And it's all new experiences every single Saturday and Sunday now for the next 10 weeks into the playoffs. And and so far, so good. We've been telling everybody for two years, Bryant and – Look, look, I think the response on social media and from everybody that we know and been texting with all, all day long, the reaction has been tremendous. That is true, my friend. All right, football fans, this is the XFL show. Remember to catch us every single week, Tuesday mornings, Thursday, late night. Uh, we'll be here every single week. Also, catch these mini episodes like this one that you're listening to right now. Uh, make sure to follow us at XFL show on Instagram and Twitter or listen to us on XFL.com. For Alan, I'm Bryant. This is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening.